Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we started recording episodes virtually instead of being in the same room together. This created technical issues for us for many weeks. Our sound issues get better beginning with the pros and cons episode. In the meantime, we appreciate your patience with the sound issues that are present in this episode. Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and Me. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of DBT and Me. Um, We want to start off this episode right off the bat by saying that things are more than a little different today. (laughs) Yeah, things are weird. Um, So funny enough, the day that we recorded our COVID-19 episode some time ago, uh, that was the last time that Kate and I were physically together recording. We already had some episodes recorded before that. And basically, it was, I think, just that evening that the governor here in Washington (laughs) state put the shelter in place order into effect. Um, So ever since then, we've been sheltering in place and we made the decision that it was not best for us to meet up and record together in person. But we also wanted to keep putting out episodes for you guys and not make you wait weeks or potentially months <laughs> to get episodes from us. So the way that this is going today is that I shall have the recording equipment with me most of the time. And when Kate and I record, I bring it with me to Kate's house and we do our thing. But I am here at my home with the recording equipment that we use. And Kate's via Zoom on a laptop yep. in front of me speaking to you guys through my laptop speakers. <laughs> I'm in my bedroom. Can we tell them where you are? Because it cracks me up. And it's kind of funny. So because <laughs> of sound quality and stuff like that, my house has all hardwood floors, which it's not the best for sound quality when you're doing a recording like this. So I'm literally in the one place of my house that has carpet, which is my walk-in closet. <laughs> um, so I, it's a funny setup being surrounded by clothes and hampers and things like that, but it works. So this is the setup that we're going to have for the foreseeable future. We don't know when we're going to get back to recording in person again together like usual, and we just appreciate you guys bearing with us during this time, dealing with any, you know, I guess technical sound issues not sounding <laughs> up yeah, to par. Technical or robotic or one of our internet cuts out or whatever. Yeah, and even though, I mean, Kate and I have been leading our DBT groups that we do together via Zoom for a few weeks now, so we've gotten used to, I think, leading together without being together and at the same time it feels very different than being in the same room so you know the back and forth that we might normally have might feel a little different than usual um but we appreciate you guys being patient with us and making do the best that we can (laughs) given the circumstances of life so that's that's where we're at today that's what's going on 
And with this episode that we're recording today, last week we put out the first acronym da, 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 of PLEASE, and we really wanted to emphasize the S in PLEASE, which is sleep. Yeah, sleep is something that a lot of people struggle with. The struggle with sleep can look a lot of different ways. It can look like having a hard time falling asleep. It can look like a hard time staying asleep. It can look like nightmares. It can look like all sorts of things and reasons that can interfere with sleep. So we wanted to make an episode just devoted to giving some sleep tips that will hopefully be helpful for you. Some things that you can try out on your own if you if sleep is something that you struggle with to see if any of these things fit and make your sleep experience a little bit better. Positive, yeah. Yeah, more positive, a little more restful. Um, so I'm gonna give it over to Kate. She's gonna get us started with the with the info about some sleep hygiene stuff. Yeah, so I, I like talking about sleep hygiene because it's a lot of kind of, I don't know, I think tiny tweaks that folks can make that can actually have a really big impact on their ability to fall asleep. I do think sleep hygiene is more about getting to sleep in the first place than it is about staying asleep. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's get into it. So one of the things that I think of as being really helpful uh, with sleep hygiene is just to have a before bed routine that you stick to every night. Um, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. It doesn't have to be particularly long. Just a sequence of events or activities that you do in the same order right before bed every night. Um, so that might look like uh, brushing your teeth or doing stretches or journaling or washing your face. I was going to say, for me, it's scooping the cat litter. That's like one of the last things I do before I go to bed every night. <laughs> <laughs> um, some people have things like, uh, I like having like a cup of herbal tea to sort of help settle myself down. But um, a lot of this stuff isn't going to help the first night you do it yeah. or even really the second or maybe the fifth, right? What it is is sort of about setting up a kind of Pavlovian response in ourselves, right? Eventually, our brain is going to clue into, oh, you're having your cup of tea? I know what this means. This means you're going to sleep soon, right? <laughs> and it'll, it'll pick up on the cues, right? Uh, and so the longer you can maintain this routine, um, the better your brain is going to get a hang of the idea that this sequence of events means sleep is coming. And it'll start doing what it needs to do chemically to help you sleep earlier in the process so that by the time you get done with your routine, you are ready uh, to go to sleep. So that's that's one thing. I like it because it can be highly personalized, highly individual, um, whatever your routine may be, so long as you, you know, stick to it and, and try and do it in the same order every night. So that's one thing. Um, now, some things that are a little bit more specific and less individualized. Um, try, let's see. Try not to use your bed for things that aren't sleeping and or interpersonally uh, recreational. Don't Sleep and sex. Okay. <laughs> Everything else, try to do it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Right. So a lot of people end up watching TV from their beds or doing reading in their bed or doing, you know, I'm filling in crossword puzzles. I don't know, right? Whatever the hell you're doing. Um, but they use their bed during the daytime or other, you know, even in the evenings, but things other than sleep. Uh, and that means that your bed doesn't cue your brain to it being sleep time. It's like, well, we're on our bed, but we could be on our bed for any number of reasons. Right? And it doesn't 
pelvic cue up to go to sleep. So that's one thing. Um, another one is try and turn off screens 30 to 60 minutes before you go, you want to fall asleep. Um, I know it's not exactly daylight, but our brains um, differ in what they secrete to help us fall asleep, depending on how much light we're taking in, and direct light from screens makes it harder for us to fall asleep. So if you're one of those people who likes to lay in bed scrolling through Facebook until you get sleepy, I'm going to tell you right now, you're getting sleepy later than you would. Yeah. (laughs) Or if you like... Get your phone or... Yeah. Or television or, you know... That's what I was just about to say. Having a TV on, one of the worst things we can do for our sleep. And I hear it from people all the time. They're like, that's the only way that I can fall asleep is with the TV on. But again, I think it's really like what you're talking about. It is that Pavlovian thing of like our brains can start associating certain things with certain actions. Um, And at the same time, are we probably getting as restful sleep as we could not so much. Are we falling asleep as quickly as we could? Probably not. Probably so even not. though your brain has come to get kind of used to what we put on a movie, we lay down, that means we go to bed. It still could be doing some stuff within your brain sleep-wise that's not the greatest. Not the great. Yeah. yeah. And, there are, and so I know that asking people to turn off screens or have none of them is a big ask. So while that's ideal, there are some things you can do to help mitigate it. A lot of devices have things where you can tone down the blue light that the screen is emitting. A lot of phones do. A lot of computers do. There's even programs. I think one is called Lux. So don't quote me on it. um, That will automatically start changing the light quality and the the intensity of the light on your computer screen at sundown. Whatever it syncs with your local sunset and sunrise and it will change the color of your screen based on the time of day. Um, You know, if you have something where you can adjust the brightness, at least turning the brightness way down. Right? Um, so that you can barely see it even in the dark, right? So, uh, ideally, turn them off, get away from them, stop looking at them. <laughs> but, right, we really want this to be something that feels accessible and doable, so yeah. if you don't feel like you can do that, at least turn that shit down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mitigate it as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, some things that might be kind of obvious, but, um, you know, avoid certain chemicals and or activities, close to bedtime so right you know pounding a black coffee you know an hour before you want to go to sleep probably not helpful um nicotine can be uh, a stimulant um and can make it harder to go to sleep if you do it really close to bedtime exercise can get our bodies kind of riled up and can make it hard to settle down if you do it really close to bedtime yeah. right so stuff that sort of gets your blood up right gets you stimulated is an upper of some sort whether that be chemical or physical um trying not to do those too close to bedtime can be a really good part of sleep hygiene um and then i don't know what's another like last but not least kind of thing um well if i can oh, real I quick say, about the exercise oh, yeah, thing um because you're totally right like if we exercise too close to bed that can really have the opposite effect we want but something else that's pretty well researched out there is that um, if you do like exercise like yeah like morning early afternoon um something like that if you're building exercise in when you know 
shortly after you're waking up or like the middle of your day, then you may be more likely to sleep better at night and get more restful sleep. So there is a positive there, but I mean, what you're saying is really important of like, don't do, you know, if you want to be falling asleep by 11, don't exercise at 10, like 10 p.m. (laughs) Not the best time. Don't go downstairs and hop on your elliptical and then go straight up and expect to fall asleep immediately afterwards. Yeah. No, you're completely right, Michelle. It's a good point is that exercise as a part of a daily routine can be very good for sleep but that is affected by wearing the day <laughs> Yes, it's a very important factor there. <laughs> um, and then the, the sort of last thing that I really think about is, I, I don't know, the, the thing that I say to clients a lot is nothing uh, runs faster when chased than sleep, right? So, I, and I think of that a lot about like, what are your thoughts doing around sleep? You know, are you someone who as soon as you start to, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not asleep in five minutes, you're like, oh, I'm never going to fall asleep. I really need to get to sleep. I have that you know, meeting early in the morning. If I don't get to sleep soon, like I'm you know, going to be all ready to get in your head and get anxious or catastrophize or, you know, get angry about the lack of sleep. Right. You're sort of chasing down sleep uh, and sleep doesn't like to be chased. Uh, it runs very fast. Uh, it, does not, it does not like to be caught. Right. So uh, it's. You want to allow sleep rather than pursue sleep, I think is kind of the distinction that I would make. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think those are, and also, uh, you know, always the the Google uh, is useful. You can always Google sleep hygiene, and um, these are sort of the common ones that I like to point out to folks, but there's a lot of different suggestions and and ideas out there uh, for helping folks fall asleep. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot out there about sleep hygiene. And the other thing, too, that I think could be really important to maybe add in here as well is, you know, I do hear this from people sometimes that they're like, I'm literally doing everything right. You know, I am avoiding screens for an hour before I go to bed. I do try to go to bed at the same time every night. I, you know, they're trying oh, these things that, that we're talking about. I forgot that one. Go to oh. bed and wake up at about the same time every day. Oh, yes. That can be very important. We set alarms in the morning to wake us up, but, you know, some people, especially it's really easy on the weekends, if you work a typical 9 to 5, to let your sleep just (laughs) go to shit. Like, you know, go to bed at like 1 a.m. or whatever, when during the weekdays you're trying to go to bed at 9.30. Um, Your body's going to get a little confused. So it can be really good to try to go to bed around the same time every night. Try to start your bedtime routine consistently throughout the week. But something that I do recommend, you know, if you are trying all the things and it's just not coming for you, going to bed is still really, really difficult, you know, do talk to your doctor about this. See if you can get a referral to a sleep specialist um, just to explore if there are any medical things perhaps going on that could be interfering with falling asleep so the stuff that we're suggesting today is a really good place to start and i also really appreciated what you said kate about like we need to give this time you know i mean i would say give these things probably a good i'm just estimating here you can tell me if you think of other numbers here but i was gonna say like three to four weeks yeah no i was saying minimum of two yeah and then like beyond that likely so a similar idea yeah exactly like you've got to give this time to see if it's going to work and if you do have a couple days where you fall off the wagon i mean that's okay you can get back on (laughs) but just recognize that then it may take a little more time so it's important to give yourself time around this and i think it's also important to acknowledge that if you're one of those people sitting here listening to us right now like guys i've been trying that for months and months and months and i'm not getting anywhere like please go talk to your doctor 
um, just to see what else could be going on and to see what else they recommend in terms of maybe medication or other tools that could help you. So medication, supplements, other stuff that they know about. Exactly. Um, a little bit later, I'm going to talk about some apps and stuff that have helped me, but mm -hmm. we'll get to that after Michelle. Yeah, totally. Um, because Kate was just talking about a little bit of you know, don't chase sleep. <laughs> Let it come to you. So a lot of what Kate was just talking about, those are going to be really helpful tips for, you know, and like you said, these are going to be helpful tips for trying to fall asleep. And yet there can be this whole other issue with sleep, which is maybe you fall asleep. Great. But you don't stay asleep. You're waking up throughout the night for various reasons. And so I'm going to talk about some things you can do if that's your issue, I guess we could say, is waking up in the middle of the night and then finding it hard to go back to sleep. So DBT recommends, I mean, a few different things, but the biggest thing that I think actually really surprised me, strangely enough, when I first heard it a few years ago, was that if you are laying there in bed and you have woken up and you cannot fall back asleep, I always thought that the worst thing you could do would be to get up. I thought that was like the worst thing. I was like, well, then of course you're not going to be able to go back to sleep if you get up and start moving around the house. And like, you're never going to go back to sleep. And that's actually one of the main things that is recommended is if you are laying there, I mean, give yourself a little bit of time, you know, maybe see if you fall back. Yeah. See if you fall back to sleep within about 20 to 30 minutes. But if you don't fall back to sleep on your own within that time, one of the main things that is actually recommended is that you get out of bed. Um, and it's really important to not do anything that's going to ramp your body back up too much. Like Kate was talking about, don't go downstairs and start <laughs> exercising, you know. <laughs> what you do when you get out of bed is very important to making sure that you will be able to fall back asleep. So one of the things that is recommended is that if you can't fall back asleep is to get up, go downstairs, eat a little something for a snack. I've heard apples are really good to eat something that's not going to be too hard on you digestive wise. Um, <laughs> don't chow down on a whole bunch of junk food. That's not probably going to be helpful in getting you back to sleep. Um, not high sugar content. <laughs> yeah, but maybe like an apple, some nuts, something like that. Um, that's a quick little snack that has good nutritional value for you. And Kate and I were talking about this right before we started recording this episode um, of how that really plays into this rest and digest response that our bodies have with the parasympathetic nerves, nervous system. Um, because it's like, it's a very common phenomenon. I know I experience it. I eat lunch and within an hour or two, I get a little sleepy. I get tired. Um, and it's because our bodies need to then digest the food. And in order to do that, we need our parasympathetic nervous system, which is the, um, the mechanism that calms us down, gets us back to a baseline, a state of relaxation, calm, whatever way you want to put it. We need that to do its job in order to digest our food. And so when our body is digesting our food, our bodies are typically like, oh, now we're resting while we do this. <laughs> um, now we calm down. And so we are talking about how basically when our bodies are digesting our food, it can be a response that then allows us to maybe sleep a little bit better or to rest, feel more relaxed um, when we eat a little bit of food to help trigger that response. 
Um, so that can be something you do if you get up out of bed is to just eat a little bit of a snack and see if that helps your body then calm down, get into a state of rest better. Um, the other thing that's recommended is, you know, as a quiet activity is to read. Um, and I have heard it be recommended if, depending on what you like to read, <laughs> you know, this probably isn't the time to read that book that you just can't put down. Um, this isn't maybe the time to get back into something that's going to really hook you and keep you awake. Maybe have some reading material around that is not the most exciting in the world. Like, it doesn't have to be something you hate, um, but something that's going to, again, calm your brain down more than stimulate your brain and wake you up of like, what's going to happen next? So pick something, you know, maybe a little boring. If you have like some National Geographic magazines <laughs> around or something like that, I don't know. It could be anything. Um, but to read for a little bit and see if that helps your body relax as well. Those are two of the main things that are recommended when you get up in the middle of the night. Um, do you have any other things that you would add to that of other things if you are getting up? Uh, well, first of all, just a, I don't know, a left-hand turn, just funny interjection. Both of us have been talking about going downstairs, so I would just, obviously our bedrooms are in a two-story house and upstairs. Just Was I really place. saying that? Both of us. I had well, no awareness downstairs. of that. Downstairs. That's hilarious. <laughs> just leave your bedroom. Go wherever oh, you need I to go. That pretty funny because <laughs> that um, is funny you, i don't know can you still hear me i can hear you well uh in case you can no i just think that's funny because um i don't know a lot of people have one story houses or maybe people live downstairs mm -hmm. yep <laughs> that is funny <laughs> we go upstairs for it um so let's see other things i would add so reading is good um i don't know personally it's really funny but for me and again i do go downstairs because that's how my house is laid out uh, sometimes just moving from my bed to the couch is enough. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know why. I have no idea what that does. But just like something about being in a different place. Um, if you're if you're into it, um, I think some simple things like knitting or cross-stitching mm -hmm. or other kinds Quiet of things. Quiet activities that don't involve yeah. a lot of movement. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Just aren't that exciting. You can try journaling or writing or something like that. You know, just stuff that's, that's quiet, that's calm, that's not really invigorating and that you can kind of... Mm -hmm drowse drink. You could also try like a warm beverage. Warm is pretty soothing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, those are the things I think about. Yeah, no, I think those are also great things to consider if, yeah, this is something that you want to try of like, I can't go back to sleep and getting up in the middle of the night. To piggyback on the journaling thing, I think that can be helpful because there can be a couple different reasons why people are getting restless sleep where they are waking up frequently in the night. Sometimes you may wake up and you just don't have a clue. You wake up, nothing's really on your mind, you just can't go back to sleep. <laughs> and then other times you may find yourself waking up and you know exactly what's on your mind because your brain immediately starts going 100 miles an hour worrying about that thing from the day before or thinking about what needs to be done and you can, you know, make in some ways this clearer connection between like, oh, my brain is worrying. Maybe that's why I'm having a hard time staying asleep because my brain has too much other stuff it wants to think about and figure out and plot and plan and whatever. So if that's the reason that you find yourself struggling with, I tell clients to do this sometimes even before they fall asleep is to write down their worries 
on a list and you can come back to that in the morning <laughs> you know there's not much that can be solved about things typically overnight so sometimes writing those down can be helpful and so when you mentioned journaling Kate I thought about that too of you know trying to journal about what's worrying you in a way that again is not going to get you completely ramped up but is a way to name it because sometimes that is very soothing for our brain of like okay this is now out of me so to speak and onto yeah, the page I don't have to remember it I have it put it's down right here. here yeah in front of me I can come back to this later so that could be something too if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're worrying and you're wondering and thinking about something is to try to do a little bit of journaling and see if that calms those worries enough for you to get back to sleep um and in terms of how long to take this break right if you do choose to get up out of bed and go in another room for the time being i've heard various things i've heard on the one hand to kind of do it for as long as it takes until you feel tired again so that may take 15 minutes that may take two hours um but you just kind of wait until you start noticing yourself dozing off and then you go back to bed um, I've also heard people say you don't want to just let it go on and on and on and on. <laughs> Even if it takes you a while to get tired again, you know, maybe again to be out of bed for about 30 minutes. And then even if you're not feeling tired again, to go back and lay down and try to sleep. So I think that's going to be some trial and error of playing around with whatever approach works for you. Whether you want to set a time limit for yourself or whether you just want to wait for as long as you need to until you feel tired again to go back and lay down. I think either way can work for yeah. different people. Um, so yeah, I think those are the biggest things that I would recommend if you're having a hard time sleeping in the middle of the night. Yeah. So, yeah. That makes sense. Um, the other thing that we wanted to talk about a little bit with things that can disrupt our sleep after we've already falling asleep is nightmares um so some people don't ever struggle with nightmares some people struggle with nightmares fairly regularly i mean i've had a number of clients who they get nightmares every single night it's miserable it really affects their quality of life because they just can't get restful sleep and then it creates this cycle too where they're scared to go to sleep because they fear having the nightmare so um we're not going to get into it too much again i'm sure if you do a google search of like how to handle nightmares you'll find a lot more strategies than we're gonna set aside time for today but when um when this new dbt manual came out in 2015 um <laughs> they had a section in there about they call it the nightmare protocol and when I read it, I thought it was really interesting because up until that point as a therapist, I I felt a little in over my head when people would talk about nightmares. You know, I would try to see, okay, well, how can we connect that nightmare to your real life in any kind of way or things like that? Um, unfortunately for a lot of people, nightmares stem from past trauma so and stuff that they don't really want to talk about or that's really distressing to talk about so but i didn't really feel like i had a tool in my toolkit of how to help clients with nightmares because it's something that's pretty outside of our control um but dbt came up with this nightmare protocol as they call it and it's basically a seven a seven step 
process, <laughs> seven step process, it's kind of hard to say, um, to help you get a little bit of relief from the nightmares. And we're going to be posting this in the Facebook group. So I'm just going to briefly review it. But if you want to see it written out in handout form, we're going to post it for you guys. But basically the first step that they recommend is trying to practice some relaxation, thinking about um, some positive imagery first before you bring in thinking about the nightmare. And I should also start off by saying that's something you're going to do when you're awake before you go to bed. So don't be trying to do this in the middle of the night when the nightmare <laughs> wakes you up. <laughs> that's an important disclaimer. Do this in your own time, but trying to get yourself into basically a good state of mind to do this. And then especially with a lot of nightmares, they're recurring, right? So it's the same nightmare over and over and over again. This gets a little harder to do if you experience nightmares, but they're vastly different every single time. Um, but I would say, I don't know what you think, Kate, but that's much less common. In yeah. my experience of working with people, most people tend to have nightmares that are more or less the same. Like they center on the same theme, theme. that's happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whether it's, you know, being chased or falling or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so think about a nightmare that you have on a regular basis. And then it says to write it down and to write it down in as much detail as you can remember. So write out the nightmare, but then here's the really important part is picking a different ending for the nightmare. So some people's nightmares, they play out beginning to end and the ending is maybe horrible. And some people, their nightmares maybe get disrupted in the middle because they wake up or whatever it is. But think about what you would like the ending to your nightmare to be so that it doesn't end so badly as it does usually in your dreams. And whatever outcome you want, it does not have to make sense. I remember my brother telling me this when we were younger of if he had bad dreams, he was like, oh, and he was one of those people who he was aware that he was dreaming, which I almost... Lucid dreaming? Yeah. yeah. Like, I almost never am. I never know that I'm dreaming. I think it's real life. But he was like, I would realize that I was dreaming, and then I would just fly away. <laughs> and that was, like, his happy ending. <laughs> now, is that a realistic ending? I mean, obviously not, because we can't fly in real life. But, hey, this is a dream. It doesn't have to be realistic. You know, maybe you save everybody in the dream who's getting hurt. Maybe a horse rides in and you get on the horse and you ride away. It does not have to make any sense to anybody else. And it can literally be any ending that you want that feels satisfying for you and brings about a sense of, you know, happiness, calm, whatever it would be. It ends a lot better than it, again, maybe ending as the nightmare currently exists. And I like the the handout too that says the change like whatever change you're going to make you want to make before anything traumatic happens in the dream yes. I know you're talking a lot about changing the ending but maybe that change needs to happen die immediately right? yeah no that's very true it depends on what the dream is yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Kate, because um, some dreams, they start off pretty good, and you have this precursor for a while, and that can be the time where, again, you would want to write in this new intervention um, that you would com be coming up with before the dream goes left, but some dreams, they start, and they're already 
just horrible from the beginning. Like there's no buildup. There's no, <laughs> there's no entry into anything. It's just immediately you're in this bad spot and then it can be, yeah, like a happy ending. But I'm glad you mentioned that because we want to try to prevent the bad thing from happening in the dream in the first place. Yeah. If we so can, maybe, it like, makes sense. start the dream already as someone with superhuman powers or something. Yeah. So you can immediately defeat whatever the terrible thing is or whatever. Yes. Yeah, totally. I like the super superhuman powers. Um, so you're going to basically, as you're writing out this nightmare, uh, you're going to be writing it down with the changes that you want. And then... Is that a separate writing or just the same writing? Do you write it down the way it takes place originally and then change it? Or do you write it down with the change the first time? You know, it doesn't really specify on the handout. Um, okay. I've always, when I've given this assignment to clients, I think it's best, rather than having one version that is the nightmare as it is, you know, okay. all the all the bad stuff that happens, the bad way it ends, and then this other version where it's good, I've had them just basically write out the, you could say, good version. Okay. Where, like, yeah, they're adding in the changes that they want within that writing. Um, because we're not going to encourage them to do the next step, which is to read it before you go to bed. Um, and we wouldn't want them to read a purely just bad <laughs> nightmare. It wouldn't serve any kind of a purpose when we're trying to change it. So I've just always had them, you know, start the writing and then make their changes along the way and have just one version that includes the good changes. And then, yeah, you're going to read it. And you may even try before you go to sleep closing your eyes and imagine it playing out in your head with this new ending and it also says to do that um, during the day if you can so rather than doing it only before you go to sleep to try to do that during the day as well but again we want to make this realistic for people and doable and that may be a lot of work to try to also find an additional time to review it during the day so I would say do that if you can because the more you do this the more you're going to get out of it but no matter what, before you go to bed each night, reading it, imagining it playing out in your mind before you go to sleep. Um, and so that's what DBT says about nightmares. Um, do you have anything that you recommend to your clients about nightmares or if you've had them yourself, things that you find work or help? Um, I mean, it's pretty similar to what DBT does, but a little bit different. I just find that not always, but a lot of times good or ill. Like, my brain takes stuff that was just going into it right before bed. Yeah. Creates dreams out of it. So I also suggest that people try and take in or somehow expose themselves or think about positive things before going to sleep. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, don't necessarily, <laughs> I don't know, watch a horror movie and then go right to sleep. Or, you know, things like that. Maybe watch something funny or read something happy or, like, just fall asleep kind of, not rehearsing, but, like, going over positive recollections right and have that be what you're thinking about as you fall asleep just basically intentionally focusing on things that are pleasant or positive before falling asleep can mm -hmm. impact what actually takes place in your dreams it's not a perfect science but mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally um all right i think we're on to you talking about apps and stuff okay yeah so um there's a couple that i like in particular um but just generically speaking on I don't know, on YouTube and on any kind of meditation app, there are going to be, I mean, probably literally thousands of guided meditations to help you fall asleep. Um, so many. <laughs> I use and recommend Insight Timer as an app. Um, I've been using them for years, and they're 
free and have lots of uh, lots of variety. Um, and there, I know there are hundreds, if not thousands, of sleep meditations. <laughs> um, I do recommend that if you're gonna try listening to a meditation or something like that, um, take some time, at least before the first time you try it, to listen at least a couple minutes of each of them, like the things you're considering before trying to go to sleep, because nothing's worse than getting cozy and hitting play on a meditation and finding that you cannot stand the person's voice, <laughs> you know, right? Like, something about it is super irritating or super distracting, so take some time to vet, you know, different options uh, before trying it out, um, so that you're like, oh yeah, that person's voice, that's really soothing to me, I'm gonna pick that person, that, that meditation. Um, so that's one idea. Um, the other one is I have found a podcast that is called Nothing Much Happens Bedtime Stories for Adults. Um, and I am in love. I love this podcast. This lady writes all her own stories and reads them. And they're, yeah, they're stories with beautiful detail, but almost no plot. Like, just really, nothing much happens. Mm. <laughs> like, it might be about someone preparing pasta for dinner right and like that's that the whole plot but it's just very rich in details of like different senses and things like that um and she reads the same story twice in any in each episode so the first time she just reads it through and then she reads it a second time a little bit more slowly and a little bit more quietly um and i think that even happens because even with not much happening you might want to know what quote unquote the ending is and so if you've listened to it you know if you've managed to stay awake through the whole first iteration um, by the second one, you know what's going to happen next, so you don't have to, like, be hanging on every word. Um, and that formula, at least for me, I have found works really well. Um, I can just put the thing, you know, my phone on my bedside table or whatever and hit play, uh, and it, you know, turns itself off when it's done, and it's just very soothing to me. Um, so yeah, different, different apps. I mean, you don't have to look at your phone even to have YouTube playing, and I know YouTube has a bunch of different sleep meditations also i know michelle i think you've talked about this a lot of people like sleep sleep sounds so like sounds of nature so waves white noise type sounds can yeah. help people with falling asleep whether that's like again depending on if it works for you like having a fan on in your room or yeah like kate's talking about um and youtube has again like tons of these they'll play for like 12 hours if you want them yep. to you can find some really long ones or some really short ones but yeah nature sounds with water or whatever it is um Birds, you know waves, yeah some people exactly some people are like i always fall asleep better when it rains well that's why because it's like a white noise so yeah there's lots of things you can find out there that will give you that experience if sounds are helpful for you with falling asleep yeah so there's a lot of very soothing people trying to help talk you into sleep out there <laughs> in the world um and a lot of you know opportunities for just soothing sounds um, you know, you could also try putting on like classical music, um, things like that. And again, if you do it for long enough, um, it's funny, I was raised in a very classical music oriented family. Um, so I used to listen to it a lot, but I would turn it on at bedtime and it actually became a problem because I would have a hard time staying awake if I went out to like see the symphony. <laughs> <laughs> the Pavlovian <laughs> stuff you were talking about. Yes, I always <laughs> playing in my bedroom at bedtime and my body was like oh you know what's happening <laughs> so I, would, I would totally start to pass out at the symphony which i think is pretty funny um <laughs> but right so if there's uh, certain sounds or certain um i don't know meditations or things that you find help you again to sort of circle back to the sleep hygiene and routine stuff that i was talking about first incorporating that into your routine 
can be even more impactful than just doing it by itself. Uh, because the more times you do it, the more your brain will practice that and the more used to it it'll get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I um, think that's all I have there. Yeah, and I think it's great that we're talking about because, again, I'm the kind of person who, like, I prefer a quiet room to fall asleep. Like, I'm one of those, but there are definitely lots of people out there who they cannot fall asleep in a very quiet room. They need something. So if you do that's need some... my husband. That's your husband? Yeah, it's my husband, too. We have the radio on every night because he needs music to fall asleep. Um, but again, choosing sounds over again, like choosing the TV. Like I hear that from people sometimes too, where they're like, well, I need the TV on because I need something going on in the background to help me fall asleep. There's lots of other ways like Kate's talking about for how you can find something in the background. That's going to be again, probably better for your quality of sleep than the blue light of the TV on your wall. So try out some of these things. If that's what fits for you as if you do need some sound to get you into a state of sleep because that's lots of people <laughs> lots of people need sound <laughs> yeah true story yep cool um so as far as homework goes um basically what we're gonna suggest for you guys is that you pick one of these things that we talked about today to try out to see if it helps your sleep um in addition to posting the nightmare protocol handout um we're also going to post another handout that really goes over a lot of the stuff we were talking about today with sleep hygiene um so that you guys can look back and see in writing some of the things we talked about today if we've thrown a lot of information at you to remember (laughs) and like we like we said a couple times now google google sleep hygiene and pick something out there that you think may help you with your sleep if this is something that you struggle with and that's hard for you so it's kind of I, th- I mean, I think this happens a lot of the time. It's vague, open, choose-your-own-adventure type of homework. <laughs> but just pick something to try to make your sleep a little bit better if you have a hard time with it. Or even if you don't have that hard of a time of it, sometimes you may just find that you can make it even better. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I like that because I'm of the impression... I don't know. This is just me. I am thankfully, luckily, somebody who gets pretty good restful sleep most of the time like I can fall asleep typically within 30 minutes I tend to stay asleep during the night like overall I have pretty good sleep but it's never good 100% of the time I had it a couple nights ago where I woke up and I could not go back to sleep for the life of me um (laughs) and so even if yeah I like that you're saying that Kate because even if you are someone who gets pretty consistently good sleep anyways um there is likely still something you could try out that will make your sleep even better or that you can have in your back pocket for the occasional night where your sleep doesn't go very well because that happens (laughs) yup okay I think we're ready for closing moment now nice all right this this part uh, you know feels the weirdest to me over zoom but I'm gonna do my best you can do it (laughs) okay so uh this one's gonna be kind of a shorter one and just something meant to be relaxing and even something you can do just in your own mind uh around bedtime if you want to to help settle yourself help center your thoughts uh and help ease your way down into being asleep so as per usual if you're able to do so get into a comfy position Uh, If you're safe and comfortable doing so, I invite you to close your eyes. And again, we're just going to start by noticing our breath. 
Right now, we don't have to breathe any more deeply or any more slowly than we do naturally. It's just about paying attention. For the moment, we just want to tune in. Let our breath welcome us into our bodies and into the present moment. And as you focus in, as you notice your breath, as you let it bring you into the moment and into your body, in just a couple of moments, I'm going to start instructing you to take slower and deeper breaths. And we're just going to count down each breath from 10 to 0, letting each breath we take be a little bit slower and deeper. With every breath, let ourselves relax a little bit more, get a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more cozy. All right, we're going to start with our first deep breath now, breathing in and out. And that's 10. Breathing in. And breathing out. And that's nine. Breathing in. And breathing out. That's eight. Breathing in. Breathing out. That's seven. Breathing in. Slow and deep. Breathing out, that's six. Breathing in, and breathing out, that's five. Breathing in, and breathing out, relaxing with each breath, that's four. Breathing in, and breathing out, relaxing, that's three. Breathing in, and breathing out, that's two. Breathing in, and breathing out, that's one. Final breath in, and final breath out. That's zero. Hopefully now you're feeling relaxed and centered and calm. Feel free to do this on your own. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, everyone. To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and Me Podcast.